Welcome to Careers in Your Ears, the careers podcast for PhD students and research staff at King's College London. I'm Vicky Tipton, one of the careers consultant team working with researchers here at King's. Our theme for this episode is understanding labour markets, and I'm delighted to be joined by Andrew Wright, Head of Employer Engagement in Careers and Employability. Hello, Vicky. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. I would be very grateful if you could start us off today by asking you to explain what your role is all about. So, as you've said correctly, my name is Andrew Wright and I'm Head of Employer Engagement. So what does that mean? Well, employer engagement is part of the wider careers and employability team. And I look after a team of experts who manage our relationships with employers uh, in the UK, around the world, to try and develop opportunities and labour market intelligence to assist students and graduates from King's College London in finding the right avenues and opportunities for you uh, in your future career. And we obviously put on a lot of events and activities and run a number of services that support all of that work. That's great. Thank you. So to move on to the topic at hand then, I mean, we have to start with the fact that we we know, everybody knows, uh, we're hearing about recruitment freezes in universities around the UK at the moment. And we read pretty much continuously lots of news headlines which are portraying depressed labour markets. And it all feels quite worrying obviously and I just wondered what your perspective on all of that was. I think it is certainly concerning isn't it and I think people if they are worried are right to be concerned there is no hiding from the economic reality that COVID-19 has brought about not just here in the UK in a university context but also globally in a university context. I do think it's important though to remember that the graduate market, the entry level market, and I'd include in that some of the kind of early career researcher routes is merely a subsection of a much broader labour market, whether we're taking that as universities or the economy as a whole. So when we're all looking at these updates and the news articles we get day in, day out, wherever you know you find your news, it's really critical that we put that sort of different lens upon it and think that for all of the real um, really concerning bits about redundancies and about restructuring and and businesses really struggling at the moment that is just one element of all of their kind of hr universities of course themselves aren't immune to these challenges they're sort of microcosms of the wider market and as we all know they deal with everything from education and research to being commercial businesses and also sort of landlords in the property market with accommodation so they're being you know fighting this on all sorts of fronts and they've been forced to protect themselves and their positions in many of the same ways that commercial businesses have done so maximizing use of government support and grants and this has allowed them to kind of remain financially stable at least as a starting point for planning again for the future so what does that really mean that they've been doing well throughout they've sought to prioritize those areas that maintain momentum and outputs and research and academia have always been at the heart of that we need to remember of course that that research market is also completely interdependent not just on what universities themselves might choose to do but on the research councils and their own commitment to this and to the many partners who invest quite heavily in supporting research in universities and talent across the sector so people like the Wellcome Trust and Cancer Research UK and we've seen many different examples of how 
all of those actors have come together, sort of the, the research councils, universities and those partners to try and step up and commit funding plans for the year ahead so that this avenue remains open to as many opportunities as it could possibly have. Um, in terms of the new academic year approaching, things are starting to become a little bit clearer. There are job roles available across the university sector in the next year. Um, what we're finding now is that many of those roles are actually being advertised collectively in a sort of block of recruitment. So whereas historically as researchers, it's been quite difficult to navigate more ad hoc opportunities that may have come up here and there, actually now we're finding whole swathes of opportunities where they are possible coming up together, which means you might find a cluster of half a dozen or a dozen roles all coming up at once. And in many ways, that's actually a kind of nice facet to this crisis that it's a little bit easier to navigate some of this stuff because you can guarantee that there's a number of things at once and maybe explore what the different options are and different roles and what fits your own sort of knowledge and background as well. So I think keep an eye on your own field of research. There are a number of roles becoming available, particularly as we head into the new academic year. Thank you, Andrew. That's great. And sort of taking a, a slightly different direction now in terms of um, the, the type of sectors we're looking at, we know that in any case, lots of researchers move outside of academia and perhaps more now will be considering making that move. Um, so how about those labour markets that PhDs are often attracted to, which fall outside of academia? How are they faring? Do we know? For example, I'm thinking about policy, consultancy, pharmaceuticals and life sciences, data science, etc. It's a bit of a mixture and I think you you highlight just the breadth of different sectors that of course PhDs and researchers do go into. Um, critically of course the R&D sector, the pharmaceutical and healthcare sectors are those areas that are holding up best. They've sort of weathered the storm and often with increased support even if temporarily it's meant focusing or refocusing a lot of their outputs into very specific areas, uh, particularly trying to solve uh, sort of vaccines and, and some of the immediate challenges in the healthcare system that, that COVID creates. Int it's really interesting in any crisis, there's always areas that do well out of the mm -hmm. challenges or misfortunes of other parts of the market. And we saw that in 2009. There was a huge increase in roles in areas such as consultancy and advisory services, audit, um, investment management and, and legal as well. Um, indeed, I know of one uh, law firm who I won't name but we're still until very very recently dealing with the wrapping up of some of uh, the kind of biggest business failings of that crisis and that was still their biggest case until very very recently that they were working on so these things take time to unravel um, and in times of uncertainty people want to know what to do they want to know where to put their money they want to know whether all of that planning is sound and is good advice um, and of course if it doesn't work there really is always is always there someone to pick up all the pieces um, so we're seeing the same picture again, and I think we'll start to see that more in the coming years as well. Early indications are certainly pointing that way. But there remains very much a commitment in all of these businesses to early careers hiring and indeed some lateral positions at the sort of uh, bottom end as well, um, particularly in areas like professional services. A lot of these organisations have learnt from the, the work they did in 2008, where they did stop recruiting at those lower levels. So whether that was for undergraduates, postgraduate researchers, taught students, and they really suffered as a result of that. So they're, they're trying not to make those mistakes once more. 
Um, and of course, consultancies are performing well in terms of advice to clients across a whole range of things at the moment. In terms of policy, obviously that's been at the heart of everything that we're looking at at the moment and some of the, the stuff we don't always see, all those mechanics of broader government don't stop just because there's there's one particular sort of government priority. Um, we've still got to build a new relationship with the EU, we've still got to deal with global crises, with humanitarian disasters and a sort of globally connected environment in which we sit. And whilst those roles have always been harder in policy to identify, um, the organisations have been hit. There are roles out there. I was listening to a fascinating uh, interview with David Miliband, actually, the other day, who's the chairman of the International Rescue Committee in New York. And he was talking about actually the number of sort of policy related roles that they're about to go out with, because for all of the, the focus on COVID, of course, there's huge amounts going on in the global uh, economy and in the world. We saw Beirut the other day as well. Um, and all of those roles are going to come into their own, I think, in the coming months. One area that we didn't sort of see in quite the same way in 2008, but has really come into the spotlight now is technology and data. I think in 2008, we were still really at the kind of cusp of working out the value of data to a lot of businesses and indeed the, the number of roles that now exist that simply didn't exist in 2008 and 2009. Um, the sector sort of dipped immediately after lockdown in the UK and why that was is because a lot of organisations sat there and thought well, what is it we actually need you know what are our data and technology needs now um, but we're seeing now quite a lot of strength in numbers across things like data analytics and data mining cyber security uh, and cloud-based infrastructure roles as well so those are the are the areas that i think are really um, starting to rebuild those where it's slightly more uncertain i think are areas like retail fast-moving consumer goods creative industries journalism um, and interestingly, some of the more front office traditional roles in finance, like investment banking, that's been so transformed by this crisis, we've realised that we can do a lot of this remotely in ways that a lot of those big banks didn't quite realise before. So what does that mean in terms of the talent they now need and in terms of the roles that they're now looking for? And I think we're a way off finding kind of the, the footing for a lot of those organisations in this sort of new, new normal that we're all living post-COVID or still during COVID, I should say. Thanks, Andrew. That's it's just so interesting to hear it almost by sector by sector basis and to realise that it is really varied depending on many other things that are kind of going on in that sector and for that sector and more widely. Um, and I guess we can describe it as, as a, a differentiated and changing picture. And since we're talking to an audience of researchers, what practical things would you suggest that they could be doing to keep in touch with trends and changes in their areas or sectors of interest? Oh, now, there's a great question. Um, I think you're right, Vicky, that it's certainly changing and, and every sector will be very, very different. Um, our own teams here at King's are, are really struggling to capture some of this intelligence and, and determine some of these updates for ourselves. You know, this is what we do. We are kind of relationship managers and labour market specialists. And, and even we're struggling to collate some of this information because it's so fast moving. So it's going to be tricky for anyone trying to find that out in their own sort of job search. Um, 
I think in, a, in an odd way, actually, researchers have an advantage here because it's a skill that comes more naturally to them in terms of that desire to sort of dig deep and understand the data, understanding why things are happening. There's that natural curiosity mm. um, and a set of attributes, actually, which by being a researcher and undertaking academic research, you come to realise in your own um, sort of personality. Uh, so I think I think that will help support them. I think there's a couple of things that I would split out. If it's the experience itself that you feel you're lacking, there's a range of online uh, opportunities that are available to you, so online courses you might want to consider. And one of the bits of feedback we've had from employers is that they're really reporting to us that they're looking very carefully at what students and applicants have done during the last few months. So they realise, of course, you've all been busy doing examinations and assessment and writing your thesis and doing your own research, but they're looking beyond that and thinking, what else have you done with that spare time, if indeed you've had any? And I realise <laughs> that's, that's often a bit of a misnomer for, for researchers. Um, but, you know, being able to put those things on your CV or your application in terms of online courses, so I'm thinking of things like Coursera, which King's has got access to, uh, demonstrating that you've looked at things like LinkedIn Learning, Vault that we've got a subscription to, and some of the work simulations as well on Inside Sherpa that give you a sense of what it's really like in some of those more corporate or commercial businesses could be really helpful. If it's sort of the knowledge and everything else that you, you're feeling that you need to research and you're lacking, my advice would be there's no better place to start than some of the specialist industry publications. And there are very many of these. And indeed, if you've got an interest in a particular sector, you're probably already aware of what are the kind of publications and magazines and, and press that is most relevant. Um, you know, some good examples that students have, have come to me recently with are things like the grocer, if you're interested in, in the retail sector, um, creative industries, there's publications like The Stage, and a lot of them are actually providing open access resources right now. So even though they may be subscription services, they're putting a lot of their content and resource around COVID-19 and what those different markets are doing into the public domain so that it's accessible to everyone. Um, and I think that's been really, really positive, actually, in sharing and trying to disseminate some of this information out to not just the sector itself, but to those of us who take interest in those sectors or to those applicants who are thinking about applying for those sectors. So I'd absolutely encourage anyone looking at this, particularly researchers with that sort of now themselves to, to really take interest in some of those publications and, and specialty uh, journals. That's great. Incredibly useful. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, for those listening, I, there will be a link in the podcast description um, to those resources that Andrew has has just mentioned. Um, and I do I do think it's really interesting just a comment from me, you know, that now we have more of these kind of virtual experiences which are available and I think can give you an insight into a corporate environment environment or into a particular role that we might not have known about previously. And I think that's just a great way to sort of test out an idea or test out an inkling that you might have that, you know, you might be interested in what consultancy is like or um, whatever it might be, and that you can now try it out a little bit. Um, and it's something that you can take forward with you as well. So I think that's a, you know, a great opportunity. 
So thanks for raising that. Um, so we've talked and you've you've mentioned, Andrew, a couple of times the creative industries and journalism uh, and marketing. Um, and, and it just makes me think about those types of industries that aren't represented by those bigger corporate employers per se, uh, where perhaps people are working in smaller businesses or even self-employed. And, and what about those researchers that we're talking to that might be interested in working in those kind of areas do you have advice that you could give them yeah absolutely it, it's certainly going to be trickier um there's no getting away from the realities of the challenges in that sector not just in their day-to-day -day operations but in finding roles and navigating mm -hmm. the, the sort of application processes and, and research um it, it's obviously those those areas lend themselves often to more portfolio type careers and that sort of looking at different projects and maybe taking on short term contracts and then moving, um, you know, in, in the most sort of general economic environments is a really positive thing. But right now it can be seen as a, as a real sort of problem, I think, for many applicants. It's where there's a real significant difference between this recession which we can now say we're in it was confirmed the other day you know we've fallen 20 percent over the last quarter in the uk economy um and the last recession in 2008 because in 2008 2009 it was the smes and a lot of these startups and smaller organizations which held up the economy it was those that bounced back first um, and a lot of the larger employers were really you know suffering um, this is completely the opposite. We're getting small businesses and SMEs, some of those startups, some of that kind of more independent freelance work that's been really hammered by the market conditions simply because of how sort of lockdown has operated and the, the slow and steady sort of, you know, taking the hand off the handbrake that the government in the UK at least is leveraging. And I think that's relatively similar for many economies around the world, whether it's in the US or in China or in Australia and other places as well. Um, but we're seeing the small businesses really hit and the larger businesses simply because they've got those global supply chains, the systems, the technical expertise, um, that they can bounce back a bit, a bit better and a bit more quickly. Many of these areas are absolutely reliant upon networking. And I think if there's nothing else I would encourage you to do is, is to really think about the network you've already got. Think about the network you've built through your research as well, um, because it's a hidden job market. And therefore, it's really difficult even for us to determine precisely what's happening. Um, so the power of that existing network to give you that first step on the ladder or to make an introduction or to uh, help you to share some of your experience or your research or your value to a particular project is really critical. Um, the other thing I'd say is that whilst a lot of the existing SMEs and small businesses are really being hit now, is also the time where we see a wealth of startups and new businesses arising, particularly as it's becoming clearer as the economy reopens and, and sort of uh, starts to reboot itself, where there are now gaps in this new normal that we find. And there are always opportunities for smaller businesses and startups, particularly with some of the skills that researchers have, to start up something afresh. And I think, again, in thinking about those networks, there's a real opportunity here to consider whether or not you can add value in an area that perhaps no one's thought about before. And that brings its own challenges in starting up a business and being entrepreneurial. But actually, there's real excitement there, too. Rather than relying on that existing SME market, 
can you be adding something new? Have you identified a gap that you now see that's now so obvious in this new normal that actually you can bring something different to the table? And again, from a, a careers and employability perspective at King's, there's lots of resources out there to help you even sort of on the first steps towards thinking about yourself as an entrepreneur. We've got a subscription to an organization called Ipse who produce some fantastic um, support for self-employed individuals. We've got some great resources on our Keats site as well. And of course, um, our colleagues in the Entrepreneurship Institute are doing a lot of work on supporting students to understand that side of the market at the moment as well. That's great. Thanks again, Andrew. Um, and we'll definitely put all those resources um, into the description for this podcast episode as well. I'm going to sneak in one final question, if I may. Um, you and your team, Andrew, speak to a lot of employers. And I wonder if you could tell us what you think researchers could be doing to prepare themselves for jobs outside of academia. Absolutely. Uh certainly keep engaged with our colleagues and the team here in careers and employability we're we're finalizing all of our plans for the coming year in terms of opportunities and events um, that will give you that opportunity to network and to build your understanding of what the new normal is in a lot of these industries, uh, whether it is te uh, technology and data or pharmaceuticals or banking um, or even government and policy. We've got particular events around each of those. But I think in terms of resources or things to do, there's a couple of things I'd pull out. Um, there's a, a fantastic uh, sort of individual who works in our space called Charlie Bull, uh, who produces some amazing labour market intelligence blogs uh, for prospects. Um, and certainly following some of his content, uh, I think is going to be really valuable in exploring that sort of corporate side of the market over the coming months. Um, an organisation called the Institute of Student Employers, which is a, a membership body that, that King's and other universities are, are a partner with. Um, they've done a lot of data research and thinking about how all of these sort of businesses uh, and indeed lots of non-academic roles across the university sector as well are going to develop uh, as the economy rebounds. And, and a lot of their information is open access, as I mentioned earlier, on their website. Um, and there's a fantastic organization as well called MC, who do some tracking of the labor market. Actually, they're the, the sort of organization who I look at a lot of their stuff and think they must have some phenomenal researchers uh, looking at some of this stuff. And actually, it's those sorts of organizations that there are real roles of researchers at the moment as well in capturing and distilling much of this content. Um, we're also trying to do the same in, in regularly updating our FAQs on our Keats pages and in blogs. Um, and certainly that will be that will be coming through from some of the workshops and events we're doing in the coming weeks. Uh, but I think keep your mind open, uh, explore all the different options you think are ahead of you. Um, and we know that PhDs always always do okay in a, in a recession. We know from 2008 that was the case, um, and I've no doubt that that will be very very similar uh, in this recession that we're in and in the next few months and years ahead of us whether that's for non-academic roles um, or for sort of exploring the academic market as well thank you andrew that's a great note for us to leave this episode of careers in your ears on it's been really interesting talking to you so thank you so much for your time um, and all of your insights and the resources that you've been able to share with us today thank you so much for joining us you're very welcome it's been great to be with you
Thank you. And thank you so much uh, for listening to our audience as well. And uh, if you want to follow us on KCL Do One Thing, that's at KCL Do One Thing with a numerical one on Twitter. That's where you will find most of the updates uh, from us. Thank you for listening.